Happy Mother's Day to every mom here. And thank you, daddies and children, for coming here today to be part of our celebration. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful because we know that you know we are coming here today. And we know you have already adequately prepared for us. So we know that today we shall feed and dine so sumptuously that our lives will be radically transformed. And we shall be careful to return all the praises and glory back unto you. Blessed be thy name, faithful Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Our topic today is rejoice. Rejoice. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, rejoice. Turn to the other side and say, neighbor, rejoice. <laughs> Hallelujah. And take, tell yourself, I am going to rejoice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Our text is Philippians 4, 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say, rejoice. Say, rejoice in the Lord. How many times? Always. Who are you supposed to rejoice in? The Lord. Is it in yourself? In your circumstances? In who? In the Lord. How many times? Always. Praise the Lord. When the Holy Spirit says something to us repeatedly, it's just for emphasis. It's because it's of very special importance. That's why it's being repeated. And it's for our own good. And even before, prior to this uh, uh, Philippians 4, 4, the Holy Spirit had earlier on said something like that in Philippians 3, 1. He says, for the rest, my brethren, that's speaking through Paul, delight yourselves in the Lord and what? Continue. What does it mean to continue? Non-stop. Always. Never stop. And Continue to rejoice that you are in who? In him, in Christ. To keep writing to you over and over of the same things is not exome to me, and it is a precaution for your safety. Say so it's not irritating to me. It's for your safety. He even gave us the reasons why we must have to rejoice in the Lord always. Why? One, because we are in him. And secondly, to safeguard our faith, to keep us safe in our walk with God. Why? Because there are situations and challenges that will want to dampen our enthusiasm in the Lord, to make us think that, that God is not who he said he is, to make us doubt God and doubt his word. The Bible says that uh, uh, for persecution and uh, offenses will arise because of the world. That's what he said in uh, Matthew, the book of uh, Matthew chapter 13, 21. So, but we know that the Bible said in Romans 3 verse 4, let's read it. He said, absolutely not. God will always be proven faithful and true to his word. While people are proven to be liars, this will fulfill what was written in the scriptures. Your words will always be vindicated, and you will rise victorious. 
The word of God, the scripture cannot be broken. What is written is written. His word is yea and amen. His word is forever settled in heaven. And that's why he said, let God be true, but every man a liar. And that's what it means there. You know, God will always be proven faithful and true to his word. So in other words, his word can be depended upon. If it's written, take it final. So, rejoice means show great joy or delight. Show great joy or delight. And I checked out for the word joy. It says delight, pleasure. And then the word delight means take great pleasure. And then pleasure means happiness or joy. That's why I love the name of happy. Happy smile. And she's always smiling. That's a wonderful name. I don't know. I think the mom had a revelation before she gave her that name. So we are to rejoice in the Lord like we said earlier or not in our circumstances. Our joy is inside. It's not dependent upon external, you know, circumstances. And it has to be in the Lord. So because it's in the Lord, it's not in your circumstances. That's why you have to be able to rejoice. And we sing it in song, joy, 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 joy every day. In Jesus, there is joy. How many times? Every day. You see, that man makes me. That man is so full of the word of God. And that's why she's always beaming with smiles. He's always, be, he's always beaming with smiles. So we are to rejoice in the Lord always. And then there are so many reasons which we are going to be finding in Isaiah 51 verse 3. This is Old Testament. It says, for the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. Remember, we all died in Adam. But God is talking about, this is a revelation about what will happen, a prophecy about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they say, he will make her wilderness like Eden, the way Eden was before the pollution. And her desert like the garden. That's the garden of the Lord, because that was the garden of the Lord, the garden of Eden. And then he said, uh, joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody because of the coming Savior. And then verse 11 now says, so the ransomed of the Lord shall return. The ransom, those who have been purchased, those whose freedom have been purchased, those who have been bought by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, they shall obtain joy and gladness. And what happens to sorrow? Sorrow and sighing shall do what? Flee away. But for those who have a revelation of who they are and what they have in Christ. And we know that Jesus already came and fulfilled all those things. And those of us who have put their faith in him, we already have that in us. That's why uh, Isaiah prophesied also about us, uh, Isaiah 61, 3, he said, he gave us beauty for ashes. We sing it in a song. He gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, that garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness today, I am the tree of righteousness. You are the tree of righteousness. We are the planting of the Lord. And he's being glorified because of you and I, because of the gift of righteousness that we have received today. So this wonderful gift of righteousness came by divine exchange. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible said, God made Jesus who knew no sin. To be seen for you and I. That you and I might be made the righteousness of God in him. This righteousness is a gift. 
It is not of our own making. It's not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. It's a gift that came from him. So based on this divine exchange, God sees you and I as righteous, but it is only in his sight, not in your sight, in his sight. The Bible said in Ephesians 1 verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. In whose eyes? In his eyes. So that if you're looking at yourself, you're going to find so many reasons that will convince you that you are not righteous. But it is in his eyes. And it's better you begin to believe what he said about you and pronounce the same over your life. And it's also confirmed in Colossians 1, 23. He said, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy. Who is holy? I am holy, you are holy if you have Jesus. And we are holy and what again? I am blameless. You might find a fault in me. But as far as God is concerned, I am blameless. As, we, as you stand before him without a single fault. Can you believe that? God sees you in Christ without a single fault. You might have told a lie before you came today. But as far as God is concerned... He sees you in his sight without a single fault. And that's why we can always go boldly to receive from him. Is that not something to make us joyful and happy and be thankful to him? And then Paul warned us, he said in verse 22, he said, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. You must continue to believe this because so many things will happen around you that might make you to doubt if God accepts you, if you're righteous enough to receive anything from him. Know that this is your permanent eternal standing before God because of what Jesus Christ has done. So when you're clothed in this gift of righteousness, anger cannot stand. Sickness cannot stand. Poverty cannot stand. Depression cannot stand. Name it. Nothing can stand against you when you're clothed in this gift of righteousness. And that's why he told us, I've given you, I've armed you fully. Occupy till I come. That's what he told us in Luke chapter 19 verse 13. Because with the gift of righteousness, you reign in life. You reign in this life of Christ. You reign over sickness. You reign over poverty. You reign over depression. You reign over sickness. Over name it. You reign over everything. That every challenge that the enemy throws at you. You rule and reign over them. Because of the gifts of righteousness. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, that the reason is because we have received this, uh, this life-giving spirit of Christ. And it said, if the spirit of him that 
raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. He that raised Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies. He will help you. He will heal you. He will do whatever for you. And that's why we sang today, if God be for us, who can be against us? And God is already for us because he has given us the best that heaven has in the person of Jesus Christ. And that calls for rejoicing. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. My my dear, come. Please come. Uh, Where's Hugo? And where's Anno? Please come. Come, let me just show them something very, very quickly. The Bible said that we died, you died to this life, and your real life is sitting with Christ in God. And he said, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. You died to Christ. So as far as, uh, as, far as uh, you know, we're concerned, remember that, uh, you know, my dear, come, come. So this is God. We take this as God. He is God, but I know he's not God, but he's a child of God. You know, the baby lion is also the real lion. Baby God is also God. That's why he called us and ye are God. So because of the love with which God loved us, he came after us because the devil messed us up. And he chose to come through a, a virgin woman and was born. And the name was that was given to him was Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that it pleased God to dwell in Christ. So, he came in the person of Jesus Christ. So, that's why it is Jesus. This is Jesus, the one who paid the price for our sins. He's not Jesus, but he's the son of God. He's the one of, he's the one of the lords because he has Jesus in him. And now, Because he gave his life to Jesus, he believed in the sacrificial work that Jesus did. He received the gift of righteousness. So he died in this person. So when he's looking at himself, if he does not know that what makes God God is in him, because he pleased God to dwell in Christ, he will be looking at himself and thinking that he's helpless. He will be looking at his shortcomings. But you know, like the Ibo singer song, which means don't ever touch the, is it the tiger or whatever. Whether he's dead or he's alive. Because you are of God and you have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than that sickness, than poverty, than depression, than whatever. Stop looking at yourself. There's a bigger one in you, greater than whatever circumstance that the enemy throws at you. is in you. Live big. And these are the things that will make you to be joyful. It is no longer I that live it, but Christ who lives in me. You have his wisdom. You have his power. You have his anointing. Everything that Jesus has, you have it. Because He's in you. You understand what I'm saying? And that is why Christ in you, the hope of glory. Praise the Lord. So stop looking at yourself. That is why your focus should be, what did God tell us? Looking away from all that would distract unto who? 
Jesus. Because as he is, so are you in this life. He is seated, resting at the right hand of the Father, the work finished from the foundations of the earth. You should be seated in your spirit. The real you is your spirit. Stop looking at this thing that will, is carrying your physical, your spirit, that is helping you to be able to live in this earth. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. I'm grateful. So you understand what I'm saying? So you died. You are no longer in a... The day we had our women's meeting, and my beloved husband taught us that. I know it's, it became so obvious to me that it is no longer Dorothy. This life is the life of Christ. It's no longer mine. It is Jesus' life. So, based on that, I rejoice. And in what did the Bible say? Because we have received his righteousness. Look at um, Isaiah 51. Sorry, not Isaiah. Um, Isaiah chapter... Sorry. Isaiah chapter 54, 14 and 15. If you understand who you are, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus... He said in verse 14 of that, Isaiah 54, in righteousness you shall be what? Established from whatever. You shall be established in this life. You shall be established, whatever form of establishment that is needed, you shall be established. And he said, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. The Bible said that he that is fearing is not made perfect in love. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know how deeply he's loved by the Father. He doesn't know that for his sake, for her sake, Jesus, you know, died. God the Father came down here and took the place of a humble position to, you know, to be messed up. And yielded himself sacrificially just for you and I. And he said, whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. But you find people afraid of whatever. And they don't know there's a power in them. The greater one lives in them. That they have you know, the life-giving spirit of Christ in them. That they are the ones that are reigning. That the devil should be afraid of them. That the devil is under their feet because they are members of Jesus' body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And where is Satan? He's under our feet. And Satan means whatever it is that is ailing you, whatever is the challenge that the enemy is throwing at you, is under your feet. It is when the chiefs are down that you will really know whether you know these things. When you're able to stand your ground and how rooted you are in the Lord, in the scriptures, in what the Lord said about you, will determine how well you will stand when the challenges of life hit you. Praise the Lord. And he said in verse 15, he said, Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you will do it. It will fall for your sake. And he said in verse 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Which means weapons will be formed against you. But he said, And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Who is to condemn? It's you. So if you zip your lips, you will die in silence. The devil will eat you up. So you're supposed to be proclaiming this thing, declaring who you are, blessing your life, declaring the word of God over your life. It's your 
God-given responsibility to do. And he said there, and their righteousness is from me. He has given you that power, that permission to do that. That is why the righteous is as bold as lion. The Bible said there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ. No more guilt, no more condemnation. So we can come boldly before the Father at any time T. If you live sin conscious, you're going to be easily defeated because God sees you as righteous, pure, holy. Remember what happens to Job. Even though at the time he didn't have Jesus in him, but God, I believe the, Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit put down there to help us to learn because we're in a new and in a better covenant. He was always sin conscious. Ah, I wonder what would have happened to my children. I hope they have not uh, taken drugs. There was no drugs at the time. I hope they have, I hope uh, this, I hope this one. You know, you know, mothers, you lie down, you are not sleeping. Even when the Bible has told us in the same, you know, Isaiah 54, 13, that your children shall be taught by the Lord and grace shall be their peace. Your job is just to do your own bit. You train your children in the way they should go like what we are taught last Sunday. Leave the rest for God. He will handle whatever is left. And that is why Job now said in verse uh, 50, 25 of uh, Job 3, he said, what I always feared has happened to me. As a man thinks in his house, so is he. He said, you shall have whatever you say. If you're always saying that, thinking that, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That will be your experience. So you better stop there and think as God thinks about you and say what God says about you. The Bible said in Isaiah 41 verse 10, <clears throat> it said, fear not, there is nothing to fear. For I am with you. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of right, rightness and justice. But whose responsibility is it not to fear? It is yours. And the only way that can happen Get to the word and know what the word said about you and submit to the word. Be a doer of the word. The Bible said in, uh, I think, Isaiah, uh, Psalm uh, 119, verse 165, it said, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing shall make them to stumble. So he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him. But your mind has to stay on him. What does it mean to stay on him? Stay on what the word said. Agree with what the word said about you. Don't deviate from that. When Paul had a challenge, the Bible said that the angel of the Lord came and told him, do not fear. He said, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or hurt you. For I have many people in this. That's Acts chapter 18, verse 10. It's the same fear not for you and I today. Because many believers are living in fear, and this fear is causing a lot of stress and a lot of, uh, a lot of health hazards. It could be fear about the future of your children, fear about your job, fear about whatever. But God loves you so intensely that he doesn't want you to live in fear. In fact, fear is simply saying, God, I don't believe you. You are not who you said you are. Your word is not true. But let God be true, but every man be a liar. According to that Romans 3 verse 4. You must understand that except the Lord builds, it's all in vain that the builders are building. You can't build any life. You can't build your children. You are just mere caretakers. God is the owner. 
you can't worry more or better than the, the owner himself or you know, himself. So you just simply do what you are told to do and leave the rest with God. He's faithful. The Bible said of God in there, uh, he, said, he said, it is vain for you to rise up early to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. So you're just wasting your time when you're keeping sleepless night. I have been there. But thank God my beloved husband kept teaching me, kept telling me. And then finally God helped me and I got cured. And it was so freeing, so, so, so freeing, so healthy. First Corinthians 1 verse 9, 9 says of God, let's read it. God is faithful. Reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on. By him you were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is what? He's faithful, he's reliable, he's trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise. If God ever told you that your children shall be taught by the Lord and grace shall be their peace, put your head down and sleep. He will take care of them. Come rain, come sunshine. Just simply trust God. Think about all that you had worried in the past. Maybe 5, 10, 15 years back. What is the situation today? I'm sure some of you will be saying, ah, why did I even worry myself all that while? It was a useless thing to do. A useless thing to do. The Bible said of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. He said, you love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Jesus loved justice. And he did what again? He hated evil. And the Bible said, God poured that oil of joy. And if you have Jesus, guess what? The same oil of joy is in you. It's in you. So the joy you have, nothing tempers with it because the source is the same. The source is the same. The source is Jesus because God poured on him that oil of joy. Because Jesus Christ is eternally changeless, always the same yesterday and today and forever. That's what the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says. Even when you're going through stuff, that joy provides you a sense of lightness. I have seen that time and time again over the life of my beloved husband. A lot of things that he went through, but you will know, he would come out beaming with smile. He would try, he would make the whole family so happy, like as if nothing was going on. That joy provides a sense of lightness upon you so that you can go through life. Because the source of that joy is Christ in you who is your hope of glory. The Bible said in Galatians 5.22, said, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and so on, which we can get from verse 23. But our emphasis and our focus is on the word joy. The fruit of the Spirit is 
love, joy. Look at love because love, God is love. When you have love, you'll be joyful and then you will easily forgive. You'll be patient with people. You'll be kind. You'll be good. You'll be faithful to people. Amen and amen. So I want to also show us this, that it is the result of his presence in us. That's what the Bible said. The result of his presence in us. Now, whatever made God God is in Jesus. And whatever made Jesus Jesus is in you. All his character, all his attributes is in you. Now, this fruit of the spirit, God is love. God is joy. I'm going to just use one of these fruits. These are nine elements in the fruits of the spirit. The fruit of the human spirit. It is your spirit that is producing, but it's manifesting in your life. Because we are the branch. is the vine. So it is the branch that bears the fruit. It's not the vine. Jesus is the vine. So now, assuming we take this to be love, we take this to be love. Um, assuming I take this cup, we have already demonstrated God. This is God. We just use this, you know. God is love. We take this um, as peace. Now, let me take this as uh, joy. And then all the other elements, you know. So this is our joy. We take this one as joy so we can note this. This is our joy. This is the joy, one of the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. And all of these are all in God. The spirit of God is in us. We are talking about our spirit, not our body. And then, God the Father is in Jesus. And Jesus is in Jesus. This is Jesus. And Jesus is in you and I. Now, the fruit of the spirit is what, I mean, sorry. The, you know, we have the spirit of God in Jesus, the spirit of Jesus in God, and because the spirit of Christ comes to indwell you and I, because of the presence of the spirit of Christ in us, we are able to manifest love, joy, peace. We are able to manifest it as we live within the confines of the word of God. This is the joy manifesting by reason of the presence of the spirit of Christ in you. We are in union with Christ. And the Bible said that he that is joined to him is one spirit with him. So because we are in joint spirit with him, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, we are able to manifest this joy because it's one of the elements that the Holy Spirit helps our spirit to manifest because we have Jesus in us. Amen? So, God is not asking you to do what he has not yet given you. Remember we said earlier on that because we have Jesus and he's been anointed with this oil of joy and he is in us, so guess what? That joy is also in us. So, that's why the Bible said uh, in that uh, Colossians chapter 2, 9 and 10 that we are complete in him. Say, for in him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. 
See, the whole giving complete expression of the divine, that's why this divine nature can manifest through us. Remember what he told us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, that these gracious promises have been given to us, has already been promised and has been already given so that as you fellowship with the word of God, you're being transformed into his very own image from one level of glory to another level of glory so that this joy that is in him is being is manifesting through you. So he said, verse 10, and you are in him met full and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and rich full spiritual stature. You don't have baby Jesus in you. You have him in his full regalia. You have God in his full regalia. That's why you must understand who you are in Christ. That's why you must understand that God's son is God. Like uh, children of Emmanuel, they are all Emmanuels. We just, you know, demonstrated that here. So you stop looking at yourself. Always focus on Christ in you who is the hope of glory. Looking away from all that will distract unto him. God has put all things under the feet of Jesus. And you are part of his body. So guess what? All those things are also under your feet. That's why when you know this, like Paul, you will say, I'm determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Like he said in that first Corinthians 2, 2. And you will say also that we rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, according to Colossians, you know, Philippians 3, verse 3. So you, we are in union with Christ. So you must understand that. Anywhere you find yourself, understand that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is in you because you are in union with him. And that's why that First John chapter 4, verse 17 says, as he is, not as he's going to be, as he is. Where is he seated today? At the right hand of the Father. When you get to know all these things and you have a revelation of that, you will live a joy-filled life. You will live such a joy-filled life, unless you are in ignorance. Like the Bible said in Hosea 4, says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They don't know who they are in Christ. Now, it's important for us also to know, according to, you know, um, uh, First Thessalonians, let's go uh, jump down to, you know, First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Remember the Bible said that God, that Jesus loved justice and hates evil. So we too should hate evil like he did because the same spirit of Christ is in you and I. And that's 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, So then honor and glorify God with your body. Everything about you should honor and glorify God. The way you talk, the way you speak, the way you use any part of your body, you use it to honor and glorify him. Because the one indwelling you hates evil. He abhors sin. He hates sin. And that's why God has anointed him above his fellows. And you are privileged to have the same anointing of joy in you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 15. It says, see that none of you repay another with evil for evil. These are some of the things we do and we dampen the joy in us. And you begin to wonder, maybe I don't have this joy. You have it, but something is happening to it. You don't have to repay anyone evil for evil. You are living in this physical world and you will have to relate with people. You can't run away from people. Sometimes people will step on your toes. 
they might do things that you don't like. People are at their different temperaments and dispositions. They act based on whatever they know. And they are at their different levels of knowing. So you be patient with people. That's why one of the elements in the fruit of the Spirit is patience. You know, long-suffering. And you have all that in you. He said, uh, be happy in your faith. And rejoice and be glad-hearted continually. That's again repeating this joy. It has to be continually. Always. He said, you rejoice. It's part of the way you keep this joy going. Be happy in your faith. Be glad that you belong to Christ, that you are a member of God's household. And then pray unceasingly. In other words, pray perseveringly. Always pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Don't ever stop praying for yourself. Keeping yourself in the love of God. And then verse 17, 18 says, Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks. Complaining and murmuring and grumbling will mess you up. It will attract, uh, you, know, you know, cockroaches and then uh, flies that you don't want around you. I wonder what would have happened if uh, in that Acts chapter 16, you know, you know, Silas would have you know, been blaming Paul. See, you didn't really get a revelation. Look at where you have landed us in prison. And I wonder why if Paul had gone, been, you know, been self-pity. Oh my goodness, look how, and I'm a child of God. And God said he loves me. Look at what is happening to me now. They were not into blame game. What did they do? They just started singing and praising and worshiping God. Why? Because they know in whom they have believed. They know that God sent them. And they know that the one that is in them is greater over all and above all. And you know, they know that God is faithful. And what happened? In that their joy... And thanksgiving, they messed up the kingdom of darkness and they snatched a soul for the kingdom of God. God wants us to thank Him no matter what the circumstances might be. Say, be thankful. Why? Because He loves us. And He said in verse, in, in verse 19, do not quench, suppress, or subdue the Holy Spirit. Don't quench Him. In other words, you quench Him when you're when you're not yielding to what the word said, when you're not walking in an agreement, two cannot walk together except they're in agreement. You just simply have to agree with God what the word said. If you say be thankful, no matter what the circumstances might be, know that God has your back cover, that he will take care of you. He's very good at that. He's ever faithful. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he told us in verse 8, he said, finally, all of you should be of one and the same mind, united in spirit, even as a body of Christ, in our various fellowships. We should walk together in unity because we are members of the same body. I don't know which one you are. I might be the toe, I might be the nail, I don't know which part I am, but the fact remains that our head is Jesus and we are members of his body. So you can imagine when my leg wants to go this way and this right leg say, no, 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 I want to go this way. My hand wants to go here. It won't work. He wants us to walk in unity. The same thing goes for your family. You be the person that pursues unity wherever you find yourself. These are the ways you keep your joy. It could be at your job. Be the peacemaker there. Be the one that is popping up the joy of the environment where you find yourself. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says, Let all that you do be done with love. Because of the love of Christ in you. 
out of love, you do whatever you're doing. And they say we should do everything as unto God for his glory. You are doing it you are not because they have done everything right, but because of Jesus that is in you. And he said again in verse 9, never return evil for evil. We have already said that. He said, insult for insult, scolding, tongue lashing, berating. Don't start tongue lashing anybody. Remember I said, people act based on their level of understanding. Be patient with people. They will all get there. The young shall grow. What they don't know today, they will know tomorrow. Give them room. Make room for them. They will finally get it. And they will all change. So that you have to be patient, especially with those that are walking around you, your family members. And he said in verse 10, for let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days. How many of us are there? <laughs> you want to enjoy life and see good days. What did he say? He said, good, whether apparent or not. You're not seeing it yet physically. Whether apparent or not. Say, keep your tongue from, free from evil and his lips from guile, treachery, deceit. Keep this. This thing can take you into where you don't want to go. That's why the Bible said life and death. Not life and death and every other thing. It's only life. Is it that you're speaking life or you're speaking death? When the devil is propelling you to speak death, zip your lips. Rather choose to speak life. And it is that life that you're speaking that you will experience. Whether you are an adult or a young adult, a baby, Whoever you are, it's important that you must know that you have what it takes to shape your life. It is this. You can choose to speak in line with God or you choose to speak in line with the devil. But the outcome, you are go the one who is going to eat the fruit of it. So you better speak what you know you would love to eat. So that's why he said, for let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days whether apparent or not. And then he said, in verse 11, let him turn away from wickedness and shun it, and let him do right. Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbedness from fears, agitating passions and moral conflicts, and seek it how eagerly. And he, as if that was not enough, he said, do not merely desire peaceful relations with God, with your fellow men, and with yourself. But do what again? Pursue it. What does it mean to pursue? Like as if it's running away from you. You, are, you want to grab it. Whatever it takes. You pursue it. You go after it. You grab it for yourself. Because it's for your own good. Not just for the good of the others. But for your own good. So pursue it. Say, seek it eagerly. Pursue after it. Go after it. Praise the Lord. Then verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Who are the righteous? The eyes of the Lord. Can you imagine it? Whether you're sleeping, whether you're awake, wherever you find yourself, there's an eye over you, hovering over you. The angels of the Lord encamps right about those that are seeking. There's an eyes over you, 24-7. So he said, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Those who are upright and in right standing with God, we are now upright and right standing with God. Remember, it's not based on our works of righteousness. It's by his grace. 
and his ears are attentive to their prayer. There's an ear that is always 24-7 open, very attentive to respond when you cry. Even a sigh, <clears throat> he hears. Because he loves you so intensely. So, but the face of the Lord is against those who practice evil to oppose them, to frustrate and defeat them. So when the righteous is acting like the wicked, then what is happening to the wicked begins to happen to the righteous, which is we shouldn't be. And that's what makes some people say, ah, but this person is a child of God. You might not have all the inside information. So all you can do is zip your lips and be praying for them that maybe God will open their eyes to come back to their senses. Jesus, when he was here on earth, told his disciples, he said, when they were worried when he said he was going to be leaving them very soon, he said, them, he said to them, therefore you now have sorrow. But he said, but I, I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. You know why no one will take it? Because he now comes to indwell them. And he's now indwelling us. Because at the time, he was just physically present with them. But when he indwells you, that's why one of the elements in the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So that joy can go on continually because it's, it's inside of you. Because Jesus is risen. And for those of us who have put our faith in him, he's in us. And that's why we, the saints, are told to... Rejoice. Psalm 149 verse 5 and 6 says, Let the saints be joyful in the glory and beauty which God confers upon them. Let the saints. How many of us are the saints? You must understand this thing. So he's talking to you. Let the saints be joyful in the glory and beauty which God confers upon them. Let them sing for joy upon their beds. Sing for joy upon your beds. He said, let the high praises of God be in their throats and a two-edged sword in their hands. As you're praising him and anything comes ahead, in the name of Jesus, out. You speak out the word, the two-edged sword, the word of God. You have the word of God. Satan, it is written like Jesus did. It is written. That's why the Bible said, let the, let the words of Christ dwell richly in you. You don't have to wait until something happens. And you say, yeah, didn't the Bible say? Okay, let me see what the Bible said. No, you have it stored here. You can easily pull it up. The words of God are quick and powerful and sharper than two edges of penetrating to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. Keep praising God. You stay in joy. When anything comes, speak forth your faith. Speak out the word of God. Because Jesus is in you. So, we have to be doers of this word that the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God has used Paul to inspire us. That is in Philippians chapter 4, 4 to 7, where he says we should rejoice in the Lord. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. And, you know, that being the case, he now said, do not fret or have any anxiety about how many things? Anything. Who can tell me what anything means? Whatever it is. This is the infallible word of God. He said, but in every circumstance, in everything, 
by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And when you do that from your heart of heart, it says the peace of God shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its what? Salvation through Christ. Christ in you. The hope of glory. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mounts guard. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Mounts guard protection over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we have to be scriptural in submitting to this. So that when anything comes, say Dorothy Peace. Or you call yourself by name and say peace. You speak forth your faith. You tell God what it is. Keep on rejoicing. If it calls for singing, sing. Or praying in the Holy Spirit. Or singing psalms. Whatever it is. But pep your joy up. Psalm 37, 4 and 5 says, Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh. Find your delight and true pleasure in him. Let your delight and true pleasure be in him. And he will give you what you desire the most. What it means is that whatever is the best for you at the time, he will put that desire in you. And then you start finding yourself desiring this because he has put that in you. Because you have found your delight and pleasure in him. Not that anything you want with, with outside of his world. No. He knows, remember the Lord knows the way through the wilderness. He knows what is best for you. The plan that he has for you, there are plans for good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And he said in verse 5, give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you will find he pulled it off perfectly. He's so faithful. He's so awesome. Praise the Lord. So we have to live in line with this uh, scripture. And know that God is faithful and he will do what he said he would do. Amen? Remember, you know, Psalm 18 verse 2. The Bible says that the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and the one who rescues me. My God, my rock, and strength in whom I trust and take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my stronghold. That's who he is to you, child of God. But you have to believe this. He said, I've given you power. I've given you authority over all the powers of the enemy to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the works of Satan. He said, and nothing shall by any means harm you. He said that in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. That is the infallible promise of God for you. So we should live in joy. That's why we, we the mothers, we chose to come out today to dance and celebrate because of what the Lord has done for us. And we even dance some more and we are still going to dance some more. It calls for rejoicing because our God is good to us. And good things happen to those who believe that God is good to them. If you believe God is not good to you, that will be your experiential portion. But if you believe God is good to you, he is good to me. And I keep on experiencing his goodness, his faithfulness. The Bible said in Psalm 16, verse 11, that uh, in his presence is fullness of joy. And we have his presence 24-7, don't we? Because he's, we have already demonstrated that here. And that's why he told us in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he said, 
Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly positions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and, what, and with what you have. For he, God himself, not an angel, himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Nothing. Nothing. What can man do to me? Nothing at all. But we have to know this and live by this and simply keep on pursuing his kingdom and his righteousness, seeking to know him better and to live based on his word. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 and verse 19. This is the word of God. Because he understood this and said, Though the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines, though the, the yield of the olive fells and the fields produce no food, though the flock is cut off, from the fold, and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will choose to rejoice in the Lord. I will choose to shout in exultation in the victorious God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hinds feet and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places for challenge and responsibility. The Lord is our high tower, so we should always be rejoicing in him. You know, one time, the, you know, God asked me at my job, I think I've said that once, say, sulking, who suffers it because of what they did to me? I was sulking because of what happened at my job. And the thing was affecting my health. It was like somebody spoke that behind me, and that shook me up, and I really woke up. And since then, I realize that it is too much power to give to anyone to dictate your joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's what Jeremiah said. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So you must, the Bible said in a Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. And that's why those of us who go to church regularly, I watch this over the television, those who go to church regularly, they live longer and they live more joyfully. Why? Because how many times have you laughed today? How many times have you giggled today? So if you keep on doing it week after week, you can imagine what it does to your health. And when you are not living this joyful life, it really affects you. <clears throat> the Bible said that it is with joy that you will enjoy this, your salvation. It's in the book of uh, Isaiah, but I might not be able to get there because of my time. So I want to encourage us, live this joyful life. You have what it takes to do that. You can do all things through Christ who infuses the inner strength. Amen? Amen. Father, we give you praise. You're faithful. No longer shall we live this dull life again because you have really armed us to live a joyful life. We give you the praise.
And we thank you for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.